Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Amen and amen and amen. And wow, boy, you know, uh, sometimes I know it's, it's, it's a little unusual, but as a musician, I, sometimes I just got to mention things that I see and observe. And first of all, wow, great drums uh, today. Boy, he did great on drums and, and amazing guitar. And also, I have to, you know, write Scott. I know Scott loved that, but also, wow, that was an incredible mix, Ellie. It was just perfect, I think. You know, you don't often talk about the sound person, but wow, she really mixed that well. That was perfect. Ooh, boy, that was such a nice mix. And you had the guitar nice and loud. That was, that was great. I enjoyed myself, can you tell? <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I, I'm glad that I came here today. I'm glad you tuned in to the stream uh, we are going to have some fun here. T- we've already been having some fun here today. This has been a blessing. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you're here. It's really a delight to have you all here today. Wow, I got something interesting for you, something that truthfully was a bit of a revelation to me, something I'd never quite put together. We're going to really dig very deep, 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 deep into the Word today. John chapter 2, please. John 2, Yochanan 2. I'm still riding on some latkes, y'all. What can I say? If, I, if it's an unusual message, I'm riding latkes. Uh, we had a great Hanukkah party this past weekend here at Bethel. So it wasn't an amazing Hanukkah party. I mean, it was tremendous. It was best one in many, many years. Yes, just tremendous. A lot of people and uh, some really ta- tacky Hanukkah sweaters. It was amazing. Uh, but all those Hanukkah uh, all those Hanukkiyots all over the, the gymnasium and all over the community center was amazing. Ah, uh, boy, our family got together. Ooh, boy, uh, my sister-in-law, Christy, she's back there. Man, she, she can make these macaroons. She makes them for the holidays. I know you think macaroons is kind of a Passover thing. She makes these macaroons with either uh, chocolate or white chocolate on it. And I'm telling you, you know, macaroons, you say, yeah, macaroons. Uh, no, 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 no. These things are, you know, my, my family is like, you know, let's just hope Aunt Christy makes the macaroons. You know, that's a, So anyway, uh, okay, <laughs> there's, there's food. John chapter 2. <laughs> we read here in John chapter 2, Yeshua tells the people something very interesting about the temple and himself. And, and, and it's interesting. We're, we're going we're gonna to really... Today is like a, one of those TV shows where you put together different pieces and they form something once you put all the pieces together. That's, I think, kind of cool. Let's hear Messiah Yeshua. What does he say? He's by the temple and he says this, verse 19, John 2, 19. He says, destroy this temple, Yeshua answered them, and in three days I will raise it up. What? The Judean leaders then said to him, hey, 46 years. 46 years this temple was being built, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was talking about the temple of his body. So so after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he was talking about this. Then they believed the scripture and the word that Yeshua had spoken. Wow, how very interesting. Yeshua is speaking about how he the Messiah, Messiah Yeshua, how he will be raised from the dead. But, but what does he, par- he parallels himself with the very temple of God that stood there in Jerusalem in his day, which was the second temple. It was just a few years before it would be destroyed. 
He parallels himself with the temple. How very interesting this is. Okay, so, so y'all follow me on this one because if you do, I think it's a cool revelation I'd really never put together myself before and it was something that blessed me. I wanted to bless you as well. Uh, but you definitely need to just, uh, uh, you may say, where is he going with this? Just wait till the end. I think it'll all kind of come together. First Samuel chapter 16, please. First Samuel chapter 16. Okay, so right, exactly. Uh, God knew that he needed to replace King Saul. King Saul was the first king of the United Kingdom, right? Uh, Judah and Israel, the whole, all the 12 tribes. King Saul uh, was the first king uh, and of the United Monarchy, right? But he, but he blew it. He, was, he did not serve the Lord wholeheartedly. So he sent the prophet Samuel, Shmuel, Samuel, the prophet and judge of Israel, to find and to, to find and to anoint a new king. So that was Samuel's job. That was Samuel's duty. That was Samuel's call from God. Go and find this new king. I'll show you. The, so the prophet and judge Samuel was powerfully used by God. So God told him, Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse from Bethlehem, which is Bethlehem. And one of Jesse's sons is going to be the new king. That's what he tells Samuel. That's what God tells Samuel. So go see Jesse. One of his sons is going to be the, the new king, the next king of Israel. Very interesting. Okay, First uh, Samuel chapter 16, verse 3. Again, this is God talking to Samuel. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will let you know what you are to do. You will anoint for me whom I will tell you. This is what God tells Samuel. Very interesting. Okay, so, so at that point, the Jesse starts ushering the, the sons before Samuel because God said to Samuel, I'll tell you which one's going to be the new king. Verse 6, let's skip down to verse 6. Okay, upon their arrival, he being Samuel, Samuel saw Eliab, Eliab and thought, Surely, the Lord's anointed one is before him. Wow, he looked at this guy and said, okay, there, look, this, look at this guy. Man, I've never seen somebody who looks more like a king than this dude. That's got to be the one, man. Verse 7, but Adonai said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have already refused him, for he does not see a man as man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but Adonai looks into the heart. Wow. Wow. Very, very, very impressive on a couple of different notes. Listen, it's a whole, it's a whole sermon. I'll say it's another sermon, but it's a whole other sermon about how God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks upon the heart. Very deep, very meaningful, profound for sure. But what I want to focus on right, right here at this point, and as we contemplate this story, is how much Samuel, the prophet of God, was listening so closely and intently to, to the Lord and his voice. He, Samuel, did not go with what seemed right in his own eyes. No, Samuel listened to God. Eliav looked like he would be the king. Samuel looked at him. He brought him before. He, can you imagine? I mean, Jesse's like, well, this is my oldest. It's Eliav. And Eliav probably came out. He was probably, you know, I don't know, ripped and solid and was like <laughs> kind of the Freddie Washington, hi there. Some of you remember who I'm talking about. You know, you got that? Welcome back, Cotter. Come on, you're with me on that one, yeah? Hi there. He had the voice, probably. I mean, just uh, the smile. You know, he, he, he was really big on Instagram. <laughs> he said, this, this, this guy's got to be the king. Look at this guy. But God told him no. Jesse presented seven sons. 
to Samuel, son after son after son after son after son. But none of them was the one to be the future king. Finally, we get down to verse 11, 1 Samuel 16, verse 11. Then Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the boys you have? (laughs) He's like, "Uh uh-oh. He was like thinking, "Uh uh-oh, because all of them are no's. It's supposed to be one of your kids. They're still the youngest, Jesse, he replied. But right now he's tending the sheep. Send and bring him, Samuel said to Jesse, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent word and had him come. Now he was ruddy-cheeked with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. Then Adonai said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Man, that's amazing. So Samuel did so. Who was it, of course? That was David. That was David. The future King David. Unbelievable story. So what did Samuel do? Samuel took a horn of oil, poured it upon David's head, anointed him to be the future king, just as God had told him to do. And and the word uh, tells us here that the Ruach Adonai came mightily upon David. The Ruach Adonai, the Spirit of God came mildly upon David. As a side note, my Jewish brother or sister, you who wonder and say, hold on, don't, don't people, believers uh, in Messiah, think that, you know, I hear them talk about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but we, we Jews believe here was the Lord our God, the Lord is one, one God. We do believe in one God, but as you can see right here in the Tanakh, this is the Hebrew Scriptures now, it talks about the Spirit of God comes mightily upon David. This is not some Gentile concept. This is an extremely Hebraic concept here from the scriptures. Okay, wow, but what a moment here. This was a world-changing moment when Samuel anoints David to be the future king. I want you to think about this for just a minute. The whole world, as we know it, changed in that very moment because we know who David would become and that Yeshua, the Messiah, sits on the throne of David, which is pretty high praise for David. Let's let's be honest about it. Very high praise for David. But this was possible only because the prophet Samuel heard and knew the voice of the Lord, and did not anoint Eliav or one of the other brothers as king. You with me there? You with me? Because Samuel knew and heard, truly heard the voice of the Lord, we have David as king. Even though he was not the apparent one, he was not the obvious choice. He was not the one based on outward appearance who should have been the king. But Samuel knew the voice of God and responded appropriately and obediently. But how could Samuel, I mean, think about it for just a minute. How could Samuel have known that this was the Lord speaking to him? Because think about it for just a minute. It seems so counterintuitive. In fact, before he even knew that there was another son, he had already, based on what the Lord had told him, rejected the first seven. You, you got to think that, that just if, if, you're, if you're a human being, man, and you're called to, to pick the next king, and, and it's one of these guys' sons, and he starts going through them, and you're looking at one after the other, and they all looking real good. They're all looking real good. And then you're getting, you see the end of the line. There's got to be part of you that goes, dude, I got to pick one of these guys. (laughs) I got to pick. He didn't know there was another one. He asked once he had finished. There was some serious pressure on Samuel just to say, "Uh, yeah, okay, it's this one. Yes, he's the next guy. This is a human being. Pretty impressive impressive moment, but no, Samuel didn't. Even to when he got to the end of the line, said, do you have any other sons? 
See, hell, there's one more. He's in the field. How could Samuel have been so confident that he was hearing the voice of the Lord? Y'all, sometimes when we're listening for the voice of the Lord, it's counterintuitive. Sometimes it's not what we would expect. And, and in those moments, it's really easy to, to, to doubt ourselves. It's understandable to a certain extent, unless you really know the voice of the Lord. Really. How did he know so well the voice of the Lord? I'm glad you asked. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Let's go back in time. 1 Samuel chapter 3. The reason why Samuel was so confident in knowing the voice of the Lord goes back to when Samuel was a boy. It goes back to when Samuel was a boy. This is all, the puzzle pieces are all going to fit together, y'all. When he was just a kid, when Samuel was just a kid, the prophet Samuel, who would later anoint David as king, right? When Samuel was just a king, the son of Hannah, of Hannah, was trained by the judge and priest uh, Eli, or Eli, uh, Eli, uh, Eli, the, 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 uh, the prophet, the judge, and much of that training that Samuel received, we read about, was in serving God in the tabernacle. We know this explicitly. This is where Eli was serving and where Samuel was being trained. Samuel was constantly, we know this from the scripture, in the tabernacle. The tabernacle, of course, which would later become the temple. In fact, it would become the temple just a few years later under King Solomon. We talked about it some, the musicians sang a little bit of it. And so in the tabernacle was this magnificent tent. Uh, in fact, come with me to, to Israel this, this April uh, and on the advance trip, uh, if, if you've been before, and we go to this cool, real-life-sized replica of the tabernacle in the desert. It's a cool place. Anyway, this is where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And, and the tabernacle, friends, is where God met man on earth. This, this, is, this is of significance. This is where Samuel was trained as a kid. He was trained in the tabernacle right by the Ark of the Covenant. The, the, the tabernacle, which would become the temple, the place where God met man on earth, where God speaks and spoke to man. Well, something happened one evening when Samuel fell asleep in the tabernacle itself. It's interesting, Cindy, because I, I've, I've heard the story of, of Samuel falling asleep. I've heard this story a lot in my life. And, and the Lord speaking to him, the story we're about to recount, but in my head, I'd never really connected the, the fact. I always thought about him was like in his room, a kid in his room, and he was like laying in his room, and God speaks to him, and he goes running in the next room to Eli. We're going to read the story. But in fact, it, that was so much in my head before I reread the story that I had to reread it a few times, and I consulted a whole bunch of, uh, of uh, con, uh, you know, concordances and commentaries just to make sure, because how did I never see this before? But no, he wasn't like in his own little room right there. He was in the tabernacle asleep. He was actually in the tabernacle. Now let's, let's read about this and then we'll talk more about it. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2, it says, One day Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyes, this is, this is Samuel's trainer, if you will. Now his eyes had grown dim so that he could not see and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was lying down in Samuel was lying down in Adonai's temple where the ark of God was. This was part of his thing. He, he, had, he had essentially kind of a night duty. Remember, the menorots in the temple uh, were not to ever go out. Okay, and that's why we have the ner tamid here, the eternal light. Why? It's symbolic of the menorot, which were in the temple, which never went out. The light never went out. This was probably part of Shmuel, Samuel's duty, spending overnight in the tabernacle. Anyway, verse 4. So there's Samuel. He's lying down. He's, he's going to sleep there. He's actually in the tabernacle. Then Adonai called. God spoke 
Samuel. So he answered, Hineni, here I am. And then he ran to Eli. He was a kid, right? He ran to Eli. He hears somebody call his name. He said, here I am, for you called me. But he being Eli, Eli replied, I didn't call, go back to sleep. He's probably like, dude, please stop, mess, stop waking me up, man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sleep here. So he went back and lay down, verse six. Then Adonai called Samuel yet again. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, he ain't he, for you called me. But he answered, I didn't call you, my son. Go back to sleep. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Really, it's like, please stop waking me up, you kid. Verse Samuel, now Samuel had not yet experienced Adonai yet since the word of Adonai had not yet been revealed to him. Adonai called Samuel again for the third time. So he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. Wow. Then Eli perceived that Adonai was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go back to sleep. And if he calls you, say, speak Adonai for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back and lay down in his place. Then Adonai came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Wow. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Wow, man, that's powerful. Powerful gives me chills. I, when I was reading this and I, and I kept reading it just in preparing this message, it, it, it got to a point where it was like emotional for me to think of that moment where, where here's this little boy and, and, and the Lord is speaking to him in such an audible, powerful way. And then he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Man, what a, what a lesson and a message for all of us. My goodness. And God proceeded to speak to Samuel and he, he prophesied. He gave Samuel prophecy and such. And it's, it's, here's the point. Here's my point. Samuel learned to discern the voice of the Lord who spoke to him in the tabernacle itself. I want you to get that. Wow. God spoke to Samuel and Samuel learned to discern God's voice. In, in the tabernacle itself. So, those many years later, when God was choosing a king, a new king, when God spoke to Samuel as to who it was supposed to be, Samuel heard clearly, right? And he did not miss it. And so we have King David. Pretty amazing. Chag Hanukkah Sameach to you all. <laughs> that means happy Hanukkah, basically. The happy feast of, of Hanukkah. Hanukkah Sameach. You would say be, uh, be Israel and Israel. It's Hanukkah. And I pray that you've had a wonderful Hanukkah. It has been a, you see the lights. I have to say, I'm, uh, as I look at these beautiful lights of the Hanukkiah, uh, as, you saw, as, as a side note, uh, wow, there's a little extra warmth over here. It feels nice, I have to say. <laughs> I have to say how beautiful this is. Uh, and Dr. Stephanie did such a wonderful job uh, lighting them and blessing God for it. But you, you see here very clearly the difference between a Hanukkah and a regular Shabbat menorah. Uh, that, that is what was in the temple itself uh, and uh, as such, the, the seven-branch menorah. But the Hanukkah is technically eight plus the shamash, so that's nine uh, branches. Uh, these are Shabbat candles over here, so not looking at those. But you see here all the, oh boy, that feels good actually. <laughs> it's just so very beautiful for sure. It's Hanukkah. I hope you've had a nice Hanukkah. Where we lit the sixth night right here, and uh, it's beautiful. It's such a special holiday. My dear friend and Bethlehem member, Professor Paul Lapidus, who is a Wharton grad. You remember Paul, of course. So he's a Wharton, Wharton grad, a, a New York University MBA, 
incredibly intelligent guy, maybe the smartest guy we've ever had here at Bethel in our history. He's just brilliant. He wrote a great article years ago for the newspaper. Uh, and if you're under a certain age, a newspaper is something they used to have so you could read news, <laughs> physical paper, actually. Uh, and, but in the, in the article, <laughs> in the article uh, Professor Lapidus said, uh, and the whole theme of the whole art new, uh, of the article was without Hanukkah, there would not have been Christmas. And so it was kind of a message to, to, the, to the Christian world, if you will, as to the importance that Hanukkah should be to everybody who is a believer, even in the Messiah. Amen? It's interesting because Hanukkah itself took place uh, during the intertestamental period uh, between the Tanakh and the Brich Hadashah, between the Old and the New Covenant. People say, oh, well, Hanukkah is not in the, the Old Covenant. No, it, because it happened after the Old Covenant, it, but, but, but before the New Covenant. Uh, that was the time period that Hanukkah was in. And, and of course, the story of how Judah Maccabee, the hammer, of course, and his band of zealots overthrew the Assyrian Greeks uh, in Israel and over, overthrew that empire in Israel. And this was a very, very powerful empire at the time. This is what Judah Maccabee and, and all the zealots were able to do. Absolutely amazing. The Jewish people were once again in charge of the promised land. And, uh, and, and, and what was the key motivation? What was the key motivation really uh, for the rebellion against this powerful, powerful uh, empire that was occupying, that's when Israel truly was, the occupied territories. And, and what was the key motivation during this time? It was really had to do with the temple and the rededication of the temple. In fact, King Antiochus, the Assyrian uh, uh, ruler over Israel at the time, uh, his blasphemy of sacrificing pigs in the temple was one of the biggest motivations for our people to rebel. So, so as King Antiochus did some really bad, bad stuff, this was a bad guy. We, we celebrate it with the Lodkeys and with, and with the dreidel, and it's all so much fun, and it's a great holiday, uh, and it's beautiful. But man, if you study King Antiochus and why we had to rebel, oof, uh, man, it was, it was a horrific. He was a, he was a, he was a Hitler type. Uh, who, who was such a persecutor of the Jewish people. And one of the things he did, just to stick it in our eye, is within the temple he would sacrifice pigs. And, and our people, that was like, they, they crossed the line at that point, and our people rebelled. But why? Because the temple was just too special as the historic place where God met man. It was the place where God spoke to man. In fact, the word Hanukkah itself actually means dedication. That's what the word Hanukkah means. And so this is called the Feast of Dedication. It's also called the Festival of Lights. But it's called, we read in the scripture, the Feast of Dedication. Why? Because they were able to rededicate the temple back to God. The temple was rededicated back to God. The temple was restored. I mean, what's the whole point of the, of the oil and stuff? It was all part of the, and, and the lights, and they lasted eight days. And was that a true story, or that was talked about hundreds of years after? Listen, the, the point is, is that the temple was rededicated. That's what all this was driving toward anyway. Why? Because we now had Israel again. And, and friends... As we think about the temple and its centrality, its true centrality to Hanukkah, the temple was, was central to Hanukkah. Uh, again, the, 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 the very name of the holiday has to do Hanukkah dedication with the dedication of the temple. The temple is central to the holiday of Hanukkah. And friends, the temple continued to carry importance. Some people think, well, once, uh, once the first temple was destroyed, the second temple, uh, eh, it really wasn't that important. It really, it didn't, uh, scholars think that the, it no longer had the Ark of the Covenant in it, the second temple. Uh, okay, but yet nonetheless, 
And even after the pigs in Antiochus, because it was rededicated, and, and even though there were the second temple period, even though there were, uh, during, say, Yeshua's day, there were lots of um, uh, people who were crooked, who were running. The religious leaders of the day, we know this, they weren't right. Many of them were, had bad motives and things and were hypocritical and stuff. Yet still, 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 God clearly felt as though the temple was of great importance, yes, even during the time of Yeshua. And we know this for many reasons. For We see this in the scripture. If you truly examine it, it's oftentimes ignored, shoved aside like it's just completely unimportant. It's not. There are so many examples and reasons why we can understand why the temple still has significance. Everything from, from Yeshua himself was dedicated there, Yeshua himself called it, present tense, my father's house. Remember that whole story? He called it my father's house. He's calling it God's house in the present tense when he was there. And also, what do we know? It was said or sung earlier is that, uh, and the musicians were singing a song about this, is that when Yeshua died, the, the, the veil in the temple was rent in two. Right, symbolizing our access and our entry into the Holy of Holies to commune with God again when Yeshua was executed so that we could enter into the presence of God. Very, very amazing and beautiful. So now, John chapter 10, so now we get to an important passage of Scripture that is almost always simply glossed over. It is almost always simply glossed over. And I want for us to examine it today and look at it. I've never preached a message, in, especially during Hanukkah, like this and about this and in this way. And everything's going to come together that I've been sharing. John chapter 10, verse 22. It's a very simple, small verse. Then came Hanukkah. It was winter in Jerusalem. Okay, so that, that verse is there in the Bible. It's in the New Covenant. It's in the book of John chapter 10. And we, in the Messianic Jewish movement, oftentimes have used this to demonstrate that Hanukkah is, in fact, a biblical holiday. It's a holiday that's mentioned in the Bible. I can't tell you how many times that I've done this, where people say, oh, you do Hanukkah. It's no, it's, it's in the Bible. It's it, because of when it took place intertestamentally, it couldn't be in the, in the Tanakh because it happened after the Tanakh was completed, but it, it actually is in the Brachadashah right here in John chapter 10. It's right there in the Bible. And, and so that's one of the things that I have historically done and many others in the Messianic movement have done, if you will, as much as anything, just to say, yes, Hanukkah is kosher. <laughs> you know, Hanukkah is kosher. You know, this is why we do Hanukkah. It's, it's, it's even written about in the Bible. Okay, fair enough. That's true. I don't discount that. It's absolutely a fact. I, I totally take that. But friends, when I really examined it, there's much more to this story than first appears. Because we read in the following verses that, yes, Yeshua was celebrating Hanukkah, and in fact, delivered a Hanukkah message, a Hanukkah teaching, a Hanukkah sermon. So let's read the verses again as they're connected. We'll start back in verse 22, and then I'm going to go continue to verses 23 and 24, because this is one concept. Things aren't written in the Bible just haphazardly or for no reason. If it's written here, there's a reason it's written in here. So verse 22 is key to understanding 23 and beyond. Then came Hanukkah. It was winter in Jerusalem. Verse 23, Yeshua was walking in the temple around Solomon's colonnade. Then the Judean leaders surrounding him said, how long will you hold this in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us outright. Okay, so I want you to notice something and to perceive something very interesting. So we see that during Hanukkah, Yeshua chose to teach where? Ah, in the temple. 
That's what it says. You know, most of his teachings, the vast majority of his teachings were up in the Galilee. Like two-thirds of the whole story of the New Covenant are written by the, the Galilee, from Tiberias to Capernaum and, and, and that whole area up there. But this is in Jerusalem here. And, and it's during Hanukkah, and there's Yeshua, and he's teaching, he's choosing to teach where? He's in the temple, the temple courtyard. Okay, so during the Feast of Dedication, remembering the rededication of the temple, he chooses to teach in the temple courtyard. Wow. Now, that in and of itself is pretty interesting and connects Yeshua to Hanukkah in a very, very special way that isn't maybe immediately apparent. Okay, but what does he teach on then and there? Well, let's read the very next verse because the next three verses connect this whole story. Verse 25, Yeshua answered them, I told you, but you don't believe. They asked if he was the Messiah. He says, I told you. He already told them, but you don't believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify concerning me, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Wow, are you starting to see the connection? So in the place where God meets with man, in the permanent tabernacle, like where Samuel learned to hear the voice of God during Hanukkah, when we remember the importance of the temple and God dwelling with us and speaking to us, it is here where Yeshua teaches us that his sheep hear his voice. And he says, I know them and they follow me. Wow. Much like Samuel, who learned his lesson in the tabernacle, a stone's throw from the Ark of the Covenant, Yeshua teaches us that those who are not his sheep do not hear him. They do not understand. Oh, y'all, this relates to today. Some things that maybe seem very obvious to us. Some spiritual principles that seem so self-evident to us. Some truths from the scripture that seem so clear to us. Other people are just blind to it. And we look at it and we say, how could they believe what they're believing? They do not understand. It doesn't make sense to them. They don't get it completely. Why? They would choose Eliav. Because they don't recognize the voice of the Lord. And if you don't recognize the voice of the Lord, you're going to make bad choices. You're going to choose Eliav because it just makes sense to you. It just makes sense. Beloved, we need to listen intently for the voice of God. We need to hear God's voice. Now, unlike Samuel, 
It's not likely that it will be audibly. (laughs) But God speaks to us without a doubt. But if we don't use our spiritual ears and are not in his flock, we will miss what he is saying to us. And remember, what he's saying to us may not completely jive with our modern sensibilities. It may not be what we want to hear. Or it may not be that it's the way that we think it should be. It didn't make complete sense to Samuel either. But we need to be open to hearing the voice of the Lord, even if it makes us a little uncomfortable. But the best way to hear the voice of the Lord is to be actively listening, intentionally listening. And this goes back a little bit to my, to my message from two weeks ago called Lessons from the Road. Right, which I got a lot of uh, flack, I mean, feedback for. (laughs) I got a lot of people saying, oh, so you're kind of fast on the road. That was not my point, people. That was not my point to the message. (laughs) And no, I do not condone speeding, flat out. (laughs) Okay, listen, we have to listen. We have to listen for the voice of the Lord and to learn the voice of the Lord. Learn it like Samuel learned the voice of the Lord. And when you do, when you learn the voice of the Lord and you hear the voice of the Lord, that's part one. You got to hear the voice of the Lord. But there's another part to it, if you will. The other part is that you need to follow it. What does Yeshua say? He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's a two-parter. You've got to be listening for and hear the voice of the Lord, but then you've got to follow the voice of the Lord. You can't ignore that voice. Samuel didn't ignore the voice. He listened and he obeyed, even though it didn't make complete sense to him, even though it wasn't what, what he thought maybe it should have been. And he risked it, man. He risked his reputation. Uh, do you have any other boys? Do you have any other kids? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in trouble here. No, he was following the voice of the Lord. He was following the Lord. Wow. Here's something interesting to kind of conclude this. And it's, it's a really cool conclusion, which brings it all together. Revelation chapter 21. Huh. Wow. And what about the temple? So much we've talked about today has been connected with the tabernacle, with the temple. Samuel at the temple, Yeshua at the temple. And what Yeshua said, the temple, the place where God meets man and speaks to him. Now, yes, we know Yes, we know, according to scriptures, that there will be a third temple, which will hold some significance, and uh, and the third temple is going to be built. No question about it. Many of you have been with me to the Temple Institute and other places where we've seen, they're already building some of the stuff that will be contained in the third temple. Third temple will be built, and it will hold significance. However, we read something very interesting about the New Jerusalem, our eternal heavenly home. And here's the interesting thing about this. Revelation chapter 21, almost the end of the book, verse 22. Here's the vision John had of the New Jerusalem. He said, I saw no temple in her, for its temple is Adonai Elohai Tsevaot." And the Lamb. 
The lamb, of course, is Yeshua, the Messiah. So, so very interestingly, in eternity, we recognize that the earthly temple is just a shadow of the heavenly temple. And the heavenly temple is God himself. And what did Yeshua say? It was my very first scripture. He said, in three days, I will raise up this temple. And the veil was rent in two. And in eternity, we will be in the place where God meets man and speaks to him. We will know his voice and we will commune with him. The title of my sermon is Yeshua's Hanukkah Message. (laughs) Happy Hanukkah. Let's bow our heads. (laughs) I first want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. Why is it important? It's important because of the fact that We cannot access God in our own strength or by our own works. It is only through the the kapoor, the blood covering of the Messiah, that we can receive atonement or forgiveness for our sins. It doesn't matter how good we are. We can't do it on our own. So if we want to be in that heavenly New Jerusalem, if we want to be with the Lord for eternity, we have to have our sins covered, atoned for. And the way to do that according to the Torah is through that blood covering. This is the purpose of why Yeshua came. If you're here and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, what does that signify? That signifies you're asking for his blood, which was shed 2,000 years ago to cover your sins because you know that, that you have sinned as we all have. And we need that atonement so that we can be with the Lord. That was the purpose of the temple and the sacrificial system. So if that's you and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, but you'd like to today, raise your hand and we want to pray together. We'll pray, I'll pray right with you. And we'll pray together that Yeshua will change you on the inside and we'll pray that that atonement covers your sins. Is there anyone who's never done so before but wants to today? Lord, in the name of Yeshua, and also let me say this, if you're watching online, if that's you and you've never said that prayer, repeat this simple prayer after me and the Lord will touch you and he will change you. Say, dear God, I humbly come before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Forgive me of my sins. God, I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God, in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. If you're here, please see me after the service if you said that prayer. It's such a blessing. And and I want to pray for all the rest of us, maybe you who are watching online as well. I want to pray that all of us seek to hear the voice of the Lord and then follow it. That was really Yeshua's Hanukkah message in the temple where God speaks to man, in the temple that really is symbolic of God himself. So says the word. How appropriate. What, a, what an incredible Hanukkah message. And honestly, I'm shocked that I have not fully seen that before. So beautiful. So beautiful. I love it. Lord, please, I pray for all of us, Lord, that, you'll, that we'll better be able to hear your voice. God, speak to us, Lord. 
but we want to be open to, Lord, I pray that you help our congregation be more open to hearing your voice. God, give us discernment as to what is your voice. And when we hear your voice, Lord, let us be confident within it and not second guess it. Let us be obedient to it and truly follow you. Your sheep hear your voice and they follow you. Messiah said, Lord, let us hear your voice. Please, God, blot out the distractions of the world. Let us blot out the distractions of our own sensibilities. Let us blot out the distractions of what other people think. And let's truly listen to you, God. Why? Because we know that you're love. And in the end, you have our best interest at heart. So God, Lord, let us listen and hear you and then let us act upon it like Samuel, Shmuel, the prophet did. Thank you, O oh Lord, for teaching us like you taught Samuel. Hineni, here we are, Lord. Here am I. Teach me, Lord God. Show me. Help me. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your assistance. I need your direction. I need your wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom, please. Help me. I can't do this without you. Thank you, oh Lord God. We love you with all of our Thank you for Hanukkah, God. Thank you for the rededication of the temple. The dead. And Lord, we dedicate our own temples to you, Lord. And we thank you for these things and we love you, God. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.